I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Levin. I'm a grief therapist and the founder of From Grief to Growth, the host of the podcast Untethered, Healing the Pain from a Sudden Death, and I'm the creator and author of the Growing After Traumatic Loss course. I provide support, guidance, and teachings to help you with the aftermath of chaos, trauma, and grief. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Untethered, Healing the Pain from a Sudden Death. I'm Dr. Jennifer Levin, and I specialize in traumatic death and helping individuals through the struggles, pain, trauma, and chaos of an unexpected death. In today's podcast, I interview Martinique Brown, a 34-year-old woman living in Southern California whose husband was killed in a single-person car accident. Marty tells the story of how she learned about her husband's death, her difficult struggle with traumatic grief, and the complications she faced after learning about her husband's betrayal during their marriage. She also discusses the lack of resources available for young adults coping with grief and the impact COVID had on her grieving experience. Now, her life has changed dramatically, and she is involved in a new relationship and is well on her path to healing. Marty, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, So I am 34 years old. I live in Southern California in the LA area. Um, I work in local government for the city of Pasadena. I work in human resources. Uh, Outside of work, I'm a daughter, granddaughter, uh, sister, aunt, girlfriend, and friend. So I pretty much spend most of my free time filling those roles. Okay. What are some of the things that you like to do? I am a very big foodie. So I love eating, finding new restaurants and trying out new foods. Um, When I can, I like to travel. Uh, Outside of that, uh, I watch a lot of TV, scroll through TikTok. um, And I like doing yoga, working out when I can. Oh, good for you. Okay. So can you share with us what happened to your husband? Um, So... Back in 2019, me and my husband, Ryan, we were living down in North San Diego County in a city um, called Oceanside, which is about uh, 45, 50 minutes north of actual downtown San Diego. And so on that night, he had to go to a work conference down in downtown San Diego. So he called me, I don't know, maybe four or five o'clock while I was still at work to let me know that he was driving down that way to go there for the evening. Um, So that was actually the last time we spoke to each other. Uh, He went to the conference and I think there was a dinner and drinks and all that involved. Um, And I just went home after work and did my regular routine and went to bed. I didn't think to check in or anything. I just figured he'd be home when he got home. But I I woke up the next morning and he hadn't returned home. He wasn't home. So I was... I was worried. I was alarmed. I didn't know what to think. I texted and called. No response. But um, 
yeah, I really didn't know what to think at that point. So I just did my best to get ready for work. I went to work that morning, but I really couldn't concentrate at work. I stayed maybe to like nine or 10 o'clock and I just had to leave. I told my boss I had to, I had a family emergency and had to go home. So when I did get back home, there was actually a business card on my um, front gate from, I don't know, some kind of police officer or somebody, I don't remember, but it had a note written on the back to call them and a phone number. So I did call them back. And then that's when they explained to me that he uh, had got in a car accident and had passed away um, earlier that morning, I think like around 2 a.m. Um, driving back home. So uh, it turns out, I guess he was intoxicated and he got in a car accident. It was just him by himself. Um, he had ran through a tree. The tree didn't stop him. There was some kind of like hill behind the tree or a little embankment that the car went down and it flipped over and then it caught on fire. And I guess the, whatever the report, it showed that he didn't actually have any injuries from the accident. Uh, he actually died from smoke inhalation. So he was still alive um, when the car had caught in flames and he died in the car that way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What happened after that when you learned? So after that, um, I was on my own. I mean, we were living down in Oceanside and it was just the two of us out there. His family is on the East Coast. That's where we had um, lived previously to Oceanside. We had moved from the East Coast. Um, and then my family is all up here in the LA area. So about two hours away. So. When it first happened, I was by myself. I called my mom right away, let her know what happened, called his parents. Um, and then my mom dropped everything to come and be with me, but I still had a few hours for her to get there. So uh, we had some next door neighbors that we weren't too close with, but they were the only people in the complex that I really knew. They were the realtors who helped us get the place. So I went next door and I told them what happened and I just sat with them for a moment because I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. But then it just felt weird. I didn't want to just be there for hours, just crying on their couch. So I just left and walked around. Um, I just sat outside on the curb. I really didn't want to be inside by myself. So I just sat outside and waited for my mom to come. Yeah. And then everything from there until now is kind of a blur. It just kind of happened. Yeah. 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 Do you remember the early stages of your grief and what it was like? Um, yeah, it was just inescapable, I guess, a mm. very, just from the second I found out he was gone, just where like the floor falls out from under you and there's just nowhere to go. Like every second you're just like, this pain is here and there's no way to get away from it. Um, it was also complicated. I would say for me in the beginning, like very early on, maybe within the first week or so, I found out that he hadn't been faithful through our whole marriage, like going through his computer and getting access to those things. I did find out some things. I don't know the extents or all the details. I still have millions of questions, but um, that definitely 
added to all my feelings, just feeling betrayed and sad. I felt a lot of anger, but then just all these feelings mixed together and then feeling guilty for feeling those feelings. Um, it was just a mix, a real mix of feelings. Wow. Um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing all that. But, you know, you brought up what so many people experience after a sudden loss. Um, so many unknown questions, a mix of so many complicated emotions, whatever it may be. But um, and then guilt for feeling a lot of the emotions that come up. So whether it be anger, betrayal, um, some of the things you talked about. And then once you start to feel that way, then you start to feel guilty for feeling the emotions that you start to feel. So I'm really glad um, that you that you touched on that. Was this the first person in your life that had ever died? Um, it wasn't the first person. I did lose my paternal grandparents. I grew up with both set of grandparents, so I was close with them. My paternal grandmother passed away when I was in elementary school, and then my paternal grandfather in my early 20s when I was in grad school. So I did lose both of them, but it was definitely a very different feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. How did your life change after your husband died? So pretty much everything changed. Um, like I said, the two of us were living down in Oceanside and it was just the two of us out there. We were already on the brink of change with our living situation because we were renting a condo and the owner had informed us that he was planning on selling it. So we had like two months or so when we had to be out of that place. Mm -hmm. So we were in the process of looking at apartments and other condos, trying to find where we could move to. Mm -hmm. We were also toying with the idea of, um, you know, seeing if it was time for us to buy a house. So we had been going to open houses. So just trying to figure out our next move. Mm -hmm. um, but we hadn't finalized anything. So we didn't have any plans, but I did have to get out of that place. So I had to decide if I wanted to find a place down in Oceanside by myself and go back to my job and just kind of pick up my life there. Um, but I decided it was best for me to be with my family. So I left that condo, left my job, and I moved up here to LA with my parents, moved in with them. Um, so yeah, I pretty much had no job, no home, just living in a room at my parents' house. and. I didn't really lose any friends, I would say, but I definitely cut myself off from everybody for a long time and was just in that room for a very, very long time. Were your friends supportive? Did they know how to support you is probably the better question to ask you. Um, I would say they were supportive. They definitely reached out and, you know, asked me if I needed help or anything they could do, but I was very closed off, like, I really didn't want to speak with anyone. So I really didn't let anybody in. Yeah. What changed? Um, when did you decide to let people in? Um, I think it was really just time. Nothing necessarily changed. Um, I was just in that room, like I said, for so long. This was 2019. And then going into 2020 with the pandemic, pandemic. and quarantine. Yeah, so I was kind of already just in this hole by myself. And then the pandemic hit and I was just deeper in this hole. So I think just eventually I started wanting to 
talk or just like get that socialization with people just over time eventually. How did the pandemic impact your grieving process? It, I mean, honestly, I don't think it really had that big an impact when I think about it because I was just already literally in this room at my parents' house, not going out, not talking to anybody. So I was already in my own quarantine when the pandemic hit. Um, I guess the only thing would be my few interactions with people because I did really get into yoga Mm -hmm. when I moved with my parents. That was like my one field trip out of the house going to yoga and then also the different therapy um, things I tried out. So those were my interactions with uh, other people. And so the pandemic kind of cut that off. Yeah. So that was the only real impact I felt. I was going to ask you about that. Did you seek out or it sounds like you did. Tell us about the type of help that you that you sought out. So I tried a lot of different things. Um, in the beginning, I tried, I think it's called e, EMDR. EMDR, yeah. Yeah, EMDR therapy, which I think is like focused specifically on trauma. And that did not work for me. I tried okay. two different therapists that did that. Okay. Um, I can, try. You, can you describe what EMDR is? Yeah, I, I don't really know the exact science behind uh-huh. it, but I guess it's something where there's like these visual things that are supposed to distract your mind mm-hmm. and somehow help with the trauma. But in the one I did, there was like this light sensor bar. Mm-hmm. So the lights would move left to right, different directions. And then you also had these... I don't know, things that you held in your hand that vibrated. So there's just different things. Your eyes are watching the light and then these things are vibrating in your mind. And then the therapist is asking you questions mm-hmm. and getting you to think. And somehow it's supposed to all line up, I guess, right. the distraction and what you're thinking and help with the trauma. But that, that didn't work for me. So it's different from talk therapy, EMDR, in terms of it gives you different ways to focus on um a, a trauma or different ways to process a trauma using different things to focus on, such as light or um, different types of every every uh, EMDR therapist practices it differently. Um, some have you uh, do counting or uh, different intellectual types of exercises um, to process the trauma by focusing on different objects or things instead of talk therapy. And I am I am not trained in EMDR, so I did not do a good way of explaining it. But uh, some people find it excellent as a way, and some people it's not very beneficial. So it sounded like that didn't work for you. Yeah, didn't okay. work for me. Okay, so what else did you try? Um, so I did also do just regular talk therapy okay. um, with a few different therapists. But one I worked with for the longest, um, she was really, I don't know, she, I've, I've made the best connection with her. Okay. So we worked together for a while. Okay. And then I think she was the one who actually recommended me to you somehow. And I did your support group for a while. So you participated in a traumatic grief support group. Yeah. Yeah. With you. And then I also did just a regular, like at a local hospital um, grief group that was people from different ages and different experience who lost different people. So just kind of an open support group. And then um, my mother-in-law 
on the East Coast, she had done some kind of nationwide support group that's faith-based and uh -huh. they have like a workbook that you work from. So that had really helped her. So I tried doing that. They had a group out here that didn't work at all. Um, I also did just regular, um, a regular support group that was just for depression focus. Yeah, it was just depression, a depression support group, but not necessarily grief. Okay. Um, I did other things. I went and saw a medium, a psychic medium, trying to get help that way. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was more stuff. I tried a lot of stuff. But the talk therapy, I would say with that one therapist that I saw the longest, that was the most beneficial. That was the most beneficial for yeah. you. Okay. How would you describe your grief now? So it's been about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How would you describe it now? I would say it's definitely still there, but I don't know how to explain it. I guess it's like the volume is turned down. Yeah. Somehow. Um, when I think about it, I kind of think about it like a room. And before it was just decorated with grief, just everywhere, grief, everywhere I look and nowhere to escape it. And now it's like, the grief is maybe like in a box somewhere mm. in the room. So it's still there and I can still look at it and it's still like, I can still go to it. It's not locked up in the closet somewhere. I'm not trying to ignore it. It's just not out there. I'm not thinking about it every day. It's not the first thing on my mind every day. There's other things that the room is decorated with now. Oh, wow. But, That's a really nice analogy. So, unfortunately, people lose loved ones suddenly every day. But not a lot of people your age experience a sudden loss. And I'm curious, how do you think being so young impacted your grief? I think the hardest thing, it just made it hard for me to find people like me, mm -hmm. I guess. Not that I necessarily searched that hard, but when I did meet other people, it would be older couples that lost a spouse, someone who had been married for years, or someone who had children with the person, um, just different situations that didn't relate to me. I never found someone in my exact same situation who was recently married, no kids, um, just starting to build a life with someone, and that all being taken away so yeah I just never found someone in my exact situation that I could relate to I was able to bond with people over just the pain of losing someone but not being able to really relate and talk about our exact situation and how it impacted us yeah and that's one of the reasons I was so pleased you were willing to come and talk on this podcast is because there are so many people, believe it or not, in your situation, in your age group. And I know your willingness to share your story today is going to mean so much to them. I'm also curious how being so young um, impacted your view about life in general in the world, you know, something so traumatic, um, you know, betrayal, abandonment, all of that, how it impacted your worldview. So I would say at first, 
it gave me a very dark outlook. Um, I was very much of the idea, just always thinking that nothing mattered. That's what really was on my mind for a long time. Nothing mattered. Everybody's going to die. You can't trust anybody. You don't know anything about anybody. All you got in this world is yourself. Even my family's going to die. Like, it was just very dark outlook. Um, and I feel like I still think that way, but it has made me cherish the time I do have with people more because I, I do recognize nothing's promised. Like, my mom could die this afternoon. I don't know. Something bad could happen. I never know. I'm always waiting for the next thing to happen, like expecting, like, when is the next person in my life going to die? When is this next thing going to hit me? So when I do spend time with my family and friends, I do try to cherish those times and really focus on being in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. You and I talked before our interview today, and um, you were gracious and shared with me that you're now in another relationship. Uh, my first question for you is, did you ever think you would be in another relationship again? Um, honestly, yeah, I did think I would be. I didn't think about it too much. It wasn't really a concern of mine, mm -hmm. whether or not I would get into another relationship. Um, yeah, I wasn't doubtful that it would happen. It was just more of when or when I would be ready. Um, and it did. It did happen. That's wonderful. What is it like to date again while part of you is still grieving? So like my whole grieving process is complicated, complicated feelings. I would say first and foremost, it's been a happy experience. It's definitely been a good experience. My boyfriend is a great guy. Um, I'm very lucky. I feel very blessed to have met him and to have him in my life. And it's really been a turning point for me as far as just feeling more joy and happiness in life again. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely been a happy feeling dating him. But then also complicated because I am still grieving and I'm still thinking about my husband and I still have sad days mm -hmm. and I would say I would think most people going into a new relationship aren't really gonna bring up their past relationships talk about their exes or this is talk about that past person like you're focused on the new relationship so but it's just in this case, it's not like we broke up we didn't decide to see other people we didn't decide we didn't want to be in on different relationships like that relationship was just taken away from me and he was my friend too it's like I lost a friend yeah like and it's like I feel at times I can't talk about that like I don't want to always be talking about my husband who passed away in this new relationship but it's like I literally lost one of my best friends and now it's like I feel like I can't talk to talk about him mm -hmm. with my new partner so it's just kind of conflicting feelings yeah. yeah well there's a lot that's been written about after you start dating again you're actually in a relationship with three people <laughs> you know yourself the your husband who's died and your new partner mm -hmm. and so you've got to figure out all um how to do all of those things so um i'm so happy to hear that you have found um happiness again. Um, the last question I have for you is, 
What advice do you have for individuals and especially young adults who've recently experienced a sudden death? I would say my really only advice is to just keep holding on that it can get better. I don't have any tips or tricks to help you get there, but if you can just keep holding on, then there's a possibility for brighter days. If you could just see my story as an example, I never could imagine that I would be happy again. Um, And I thought I would be stuck in my parents' house forever in that room. I didn't think I would get a new job. I applied to so many jobs, hundreds of jobs. Um, But now here I am with a new job. I moved out of my parents' house about five months ago and now living with my boyfriend. So yeah, things got better and I never imagined or I couldn't see myself in this place. I was in a very, very dark hole for a very, very long time. And I can't say I, I had a number of days where I woke up and I was like, dang, I woke up again. Like I wish I didn't wake up, Um, but I'm glad I got here. I somehow got through each day and I got here. So if you could just keep getting through each day somehow, whatever you need to do to get through it, then there is hope for the future. That's great. Thank you again so much for sharing with all of us today. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you again, Marty. And um, we are so appreciative of you sharing your story. Thank you. When I first approached Marty about being a guest on my show, she was willing but reluctant, stating she did not have anything remarkable to share. When I talked with Marty further, I shared my thoughts with her, and I stated that I really believed she did have remarkable things to share. She had experienced an unthinkable tragedy when her husband was taken from her suddenly and her whole world, the world that she knew, changed. It actually disappeared overnight. She struggled with grief related to the death of her husband and the infidelity she found out about after his death. She also had a whole new reality. She found herself without a job and living back home without her parents. But she sought help. She kept going and she did not give up, even when it got really, really hard. Marty was grieving her husband's death as a young adult. And there are not a lot of support services for a young person who has experienced a traumatic loss. She also spent her time grieving during COVID when it was so difficult to connect to a community. And we all know how vital connecting to a community can be in your healing process. I truly believe Marty has a remarkable story and is a role model for other young adults living with a sudden death and the pain that accompanies it. I'm so grateful to Marty 
and to all of my guests who allow themselves to become vulnerable and to be seen when I interview them about one of the most painful experiences in their life. And they allow themselves to open up and to come on air in service of others to my podcast listeners so that they can heal as well. If you want an opportunity to connect with Marty, please join our Facebook group, Talking About the Podcast Untethered with Dr. Levin. Marty's contact information is available if you'd like to connect with her. Our next podcast will be on January 4th and will feature an interview with Michelle Post, who is a traumatic grief therapist. Michelle shares how she works with clients as a therapist and some of her grief experiences that have had a profound impact on who she is today. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of Untethered, Healing the Pain After a Sudden Death. For help with a sudden and unexpected loss, please sign up for my free mini course where I will teach you about the three truths about living with a sudden and unexpected loss. Please visit www.fromgrieftogrowth.com to sign up. Bye for now. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. For help with a sudden and unexpected loss, Sign up for my free mini course where I will teach you the three truths about living with a sudden and unexpected loss. Please visit www.fromgrieftogrowth.com to sign up.